you're listening to Cobb Conversations on the Business of Brands with Sudeep Chawla and Sharavana Raghavan. Sharan, let me start today's podcast by dropping one of the most abused words in marketing world. After obviously the previous one that we did insights the second most abused word in this ecosystem is strategy everybody wants to make one yes everybody wants to own one but very few people understand how to articulate one right and qualify one and everybody thinks they have one yeah yeah of course everybody thinks they everybody believes they have one <laughs> that's true So when I listen to people when I hear them talk a lot of the times I see people talking about their dream and then calling it a strategy sometimes people talking about uh, some kind of a direction then calling it a strategy etc etc let's discuss this specific aspect today absolutely and try and help uh, some of the listeners today about essentials of strategy how to possibly articulate one and how to know whether you have the strategy whether what you have is a strategy or not perfect because in my line of work today this is something i contend with all the time and uh, this word called strategy and in specific brand strategy is a little used very interchangeably to be polite and even the planners in agencies are today called the brand strategy team which kind of irks me a little because it kind of gets into my territory but uh, it does uh, i mean i think you it's a good point you brought up it's a good play good way to sort out what is and is not a strategy okay so why don't you first start by defining what is not a strategy a goal is not def- definitely not a strategy sometimes people have plans to do something people want to be the number one in their category in the next 2 years those are goals those don't really make up strategy and some people say i'm going to go omni channel now that's not strategy that's a life stage that's a plan that's an idea at best the worst i've seen is taglines and slogans be called strategies and uh, say i want to change the world <laughs> that's not a strategy a strategy is not about your end point it is about what can get you there in a sense see, let let me not diss visions and goals completely so visions and goals are important for businesses and that's what founders thrive on but they are standalone ideas which need to be backed up with a lot of other information and decisions a strategy is about a set of different ideas that include a plan to achieve these goals and these goals are a good starting point and that's all they are as in they are you from where you stand you can either look at it as a starting point to build your strategy or the end point to which your strategy has to lead to dhoni says i want csk to win this match that's a statement of intent that's not strategy unless he tells a team this is a turning pitch i'm going to go with spinners and i will tell you exactly what to bowl they have too many left-handers in the team i'm going to load my team with off spinners all of this makes up the strategy 
Now, he could say, I want to win this match and therefore I'm going to do this. Or say, I'm going to do this and therefore we're going to win. Doesn't matter. What's in the middle and what Dhoni calls, in his words, the, the process is usually the strategy we're talking about. It must have a plan of action. It must have a certain specific decision. And it must be set in its context. Fair. fair. So, understood. Now, uh, Sharon, broadly, we understood what is not strategy and possibly what should strategy solve for. Can you give us a little bit more structure slash framework slash checklist which, you know, somebody can follow or check their list against to say whether I have a strategy or not? Right. You could call it a structure or a checklist. It's not definitely not a framework here. Because any strategy, any strategy, not just brand, be it business, be it sport, be it life, it's got to have three parts to it. It is always dictated by the starting point, which is the context. It is the simplified version of the analysis that you put together in a complex market scenario. For example, there is this table, points table in the IPL, says you've got to score a certain run rate. This is that. And if you hear Dhoni, he'd say, we need to win the two points first. Everything else comes next. We need to win this match. And he says, I can strategize to get us into the playoffs. But after that, it's not fine. So getting into the playoff is a vision he can set for the team at the beginning of the, of the IPL. So that is a vision he could set. So it always depends on the context of existence. It does not exist in silo. Saying, as a brand... I want to be number one. I want to be number one in a specific sub-segment of the category. That's the context because, say, in the health segment, capsule market is overcrowded. I want to do it. I want to be a player in the oral strips market. That could be a, a context, saying who are the players, who do I want to beat and all that. Now, from this context comes a decision. Now, this is not necessarily a decision that's the most informed decision. This is where leadership takes precedence, says, this is the direction I want to go in. For example, I am going to build a team that will win my home matches. And if I win all my home matches and win two away matches, I'm sure of getting into the playoff. So I don't care if there's a superstar all-rounder in the opposition. I don't care if they're going to win by certain runs and they're going to do this and that. I'm going to focus on winning my seven home games and two away games. That's my decision. I think I'm. That's all I'm going to focus on. The de- decision is where most people end up getting confused because it forces the leadership, the founders who really technically have very few people challenging them to make a choice. And even in my workshops, I always face this because people want to have both all the time. And like in life, it's not always possible. You go, you have to make choices. And this is our MBA 101, where you will have to make a choice without enough information. And that's a gut call of the leader most of the time. And this decision then triggers a series of actions or series of smaller decisions which drive a plan of action. Which says, my 
opening bowler will be this guy. He will bowl out his four. The other guy will come and just bat. He will be my impact substitute. And I will use, a, I want to use only a focus on this year. I don't care about breeding new players. I want to get in old players and get them to perform. Or I want new players who will just listen to me and do everything they want. I want them to do. All of that is a sort of plan of action. So it is basically a set of coherent actions that ensure that the decision is made effective. So to make the decision a success. In other words, the actions needed to convert the decision that is made into a success story is what the plan of action is. And obviously, they cannot be in contradiction to each other. You can't say, I want to be in the playoffs and then load your team with with a superstar just because you bought him at the auction even if he's not doing well. So this, the three aspects of strategy are context, decision, and plan of action. Okay, fair. Uh, Let's take an example and possibly, uh, you know, then try and make it clearer to everybody who is listening to us. Sure. And I'm going to cheat a little here because I'm going to take a brand uh, that's again from the Cadbury stable. Because we were privy to the behind-the-scenes work on this one, which is Cadbury Perk. So, if you're old enough, if you are technically a millennial, you will you will recall that the perk that exists today is very different from the perk that was launched originally. Originally, it was a molded chocolate with a little bit of wafer inside, and it used to compete against Kit Kat. And Kit Kat had all the international appeal and equity and perk was trying to compete with it backed by the cadbury equity the context was that perk wasn't necessarily winning against kitkat and even within the cadbury portfolio it was seen as not indulgent enough and there were other products in the Cat- in the cadbury stable which were far more indulgent than a molded wafer chocolate and versus competition, it really wasn't doing too much. It really had no real reason to exist. So now it comes down to a decision saying, what do I do with this brand? Should I shut this down? Should I revamp it? What will it do in my portfolio? And that's when the Cadbury leadership had a decision to make. So moving to the decision stage. So Cadbury was, what What was uh, the Cadbury market share around this time? This is 2000. 11, 12, the market share would have been what? 70, 80%? 70%. Ah. So as the as this overwhelming market leader, Cadbury's job was to expand the category because there is no market leader for you to gain share from specifically. You need to increase the chocolate consumption base. And one source of expanding the chocolate category Cadbury identified was the biscuit category. So the biscuit category was like four times the chocolate category size. And even taking a small percentage of the biscuit category could expand the chocolate category penetration. So a strategic decision was then taken to reposition Perk to recruit indulgent biscuit consumers into the chocolate category and move them into the category, not wholesale, look move just the indulgent biscuit consumers. Maybe the bourbons at that time, it, I don't think Dark Fantasy had launched yet. I think bourbon was 
among the most indulgent uh, biscuit brands in the country. So, so Perk, which was an indulgent molded chocolate with wafer in it, had now to be repositioned to compete with the biscuit category, indulgent biscuit category. Now, that's the decision that's been taken. Now, you move on to the plan of action. Now, it cannot work as is because Perk was playing at different price points. Same thing was not going to work in the biscuit category. So, Perk now had to be rebuilt and adapt to the drivers of the biscuit category, which is it had to be revised to demonstrate bulk. Biscuits are a bulky category. You need volume, visible volume. So, the molded chocolate wafer became a chocolate-coated wafer, meaning there was more of the wafer and less of the chocolate in it. And all biscuits had a functional offering. So, Perk was infused with glucose to be the energy giver, the energy equivalent, as is seen in other biscuit brands. And the very, very important part of biscuit is the price point consumption. So, the 2 rupees and 5 rupees, I think even till date, 70% of the entire biscuit category is at 10 rupees or lower. So, Perk had to play to that segment then. So, Perk was repositioned for a 5 rupee and a 2 rupee SKUs. And there was shareability. So, biscuits, you have one, you share it with somebody sitting next to you. So, even at 5 rupees, Perk had two pieces so that you can share with somebody that is next to you. And the most important aspect for Cadbury as a business was that Perk was going to be distributed into stores, into biscuit stores, where we did not have coolers. So, it shouldn't melt. It was distributed widely. It was focused on mass distribution in wholesale, into smaller towns. Basically, biscuits are distributed as four times the larger category. The distribution is far greater than chocolates. So it had to be a distribution-led brand. So these were the plan of actions taken. And there was also the behind-the-scenes operations where it had to be a non-melting chocolate. It was value-engineered to still deliver profitability at a 5 rupee price point. And I remember there was one TVC that was made without too much of uh, lip sync or anything so that voiceovers could be done, could be used in any language. And the packaging was a little value engineered also. And benchmarked with Munch. So from being benchmarked with KitKat, Perk moved on to being benchmarked with Munch. And this was the strategy. Now, I'm not calling this a case study because I'm not sure about the results that followed. But this is a step-by-step reason of saying the choice, the decision, and the plan of action. To summarize the entire Perk story, right? It starts with the choice, the context. The context was that they could have decided to compete with KitKat and take shares from KitKat with the old Perk. Or the option was to use re-engineer Perk and fight to to be more audacious, rather, and expand the chocolate category. And therefore, the decision was taken to be more audacious among the two options. And what followed with the molded chocolate wafer becoming the chocolate-coated wafer and to play by the rules of the biscuit category was the plan of action. You're listening to Cobb, conversations on the business of brands. Your hosts are Sudeep Chawla, marketing practitioner, business leader, 
an educator to advertising and marketing professionals and Sharavana Raghavan of Vitral Brand Expertise, growth consultants to consumer-facing brands and businesses. For more information, go to cobcast.net. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling your friends and rating us. You work on one of the biggest brands that that have come out of India. So I'm sure there's a similar approach that you've seen at Pidilet with Fevicol. Can you walk us through what happened? What are the thinking? Because I know no other brand in the category has really built something as, as big, big or as relevant as Fevicol. So what what's the story there? What's the strategy? Would that fall under this framework or checklist? Yes, I think it would. I will obviously attempt to tell the story of Fevicol. A little, this one is a little less known. But the idea is to have all our listeners believe that any strategy, any study of any kind, regardless of whether it's a long-term strategy, a short-term strategy, etc. Strategy for a national brand or strategy for a city sales manager. All of it can you know, be made if you have these three columns populated against your name. What people know about Fevicol, for example, is that it started off as a replacement for animal resin glue that was used earlier called Suresh. And then, you know, by working diligently with carpenters, investing behind them, and by building deep uh, bonds with them, Fevicol was able to become a trusted brand amongst them. That is what people know about. What they don't know is another part of the strategy and which is what I will try and articulate. So from a checkpoints that you laid out, the checklist that you laid out, if we talk about context. Now context is that there were a number of commodity brands uh, that were vying for carpenters' attention to gain share in this uh, adhesive glue market. Yeah, And there have been many that have come by in the past, including some of the more reputed companies like Jubilant Organosis. They had a brand called Vemicol. Yeah, and many more have come. And it has been a commoditized market to a large extent. Always, always. So that's the context. So therefore, decision points were possibly to play by the same rule and, you know, go deep, build bonds with carpenters, etc. But of course, Pedlite did and Fevicol did. But their key decision point also was to make Fevicol, and this was a vision that you know they had started with. The vision possibly uh, at that time of BKP, Sri Balwan Bhai Parekh, was that he wanted to make Fevicol a household name. Now, one route to becoming a household name is that whenever a household is getting made or refurbished, Fevicol gets used in the furniture. The second method of reaching there and this is the decision point that leadership had taken at that point in time to make Fevicol into a consumer brand. Now all the commodities were a carpenter brand or a trader brand. So they would rely on their relationship with the trade to push them onto sites and give discounting and stuff like that. So with the decision to make Fevicol into a consumer brand, 
there were two or three very big work tracks which got created so 1959 is when the brand was launched when it was launched one of the key things that the founder was very clear because you wanted to market to consumers and contractor alike and one of the things was that the contractors can't read therefore he was clear he wanted to create a logo which would make it an easy identifier for the brand and hence that gave rise to that iconic logo of two elephants trying to pull a wood bonded bonded wood in opposite directions yeah that's the fevicol logo that all of us know about that was the genesis of it in 1970 about 11 years after the launch this whole thought of making it into a consumer brand gave rise to another very very interesting work on brand fevicol so therefore we heard about the context we heard about the decision and now first plan of action was give it a visual identity which is logo the second plan of action which came about about 11 years later was to enter into the consumer adhesives market and upgrade kids from using gum for art and craft to using a uh, an adhesive a white adhesive for art and craft purposes and the thought process was that the fevicol that we have if this fevicol is able to create the right kind of trust in consumers mind from the very time that they are very young and if consumers start believing that this fevicol can stick anything they would grow up with that trust and hence they will be much more accepting and hopefully demanding of using fevicol when they are doing up their homes wow so therefore when 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 somebody says catching them young they right. would have never thought that a brand like fevicol would be working on it exactly and that is the genesis of that small bottle which is fevicol mr now a lot of the people and i've seen this in the market tend to believe that small fevicol glue bottle is the same recipe or is the same glue that the carpenters used to stick their furniture it's not it is not wow <laughs> yeah slightly different but it delivers on the same promise you would never see fevicol fail so therefore from a plan of action perspective not only did fevicol create an iconic logo not only did they start investing into advertising which no brand in this category did before them and even after them but they also introduced a small sku and positioned it towards craft such that the consumers grow up with the brand and therefore start believing start having that equity very very early on so this is possibly an example of a context and a decision that has remained consistent for the last 63 odd years <laughs> and the plan of action obviously has evolved ha with, with the with the context that's that's evolving with the, the context as well as achievement of previous plan of action and therefore setting higher benchmarks for yourselves category has matured your products have matured and you have reset your benchmarks your tasks have become even more evolved you have sub segmented the market so therefore your plan of action has kept evolving but the strategy of you know still having fevicol as a household brand name has remained true to its core after 64 years also 
yeah so that's another example of possibly articulating a strategy by using these three checklist and uh, hopefully does justice to the checklist oh, that you write I, i think that's something that happened 60 years ago 63 years ago still fits into this checklist is enough proof that this checklist works given that you're talking about 60 years ago uh, if you were to put this summarizes in a very philosophical sense right that's something i was thinking of to say the context is largely out of your control it's about you understanding what's out of your control first the decision is what are you going to do about things that are within your control and what are you willing to take and what are you not willing to take and the plan of action is basically following through on that decision that's pretty much it and when you said the carpenters building a brand beyond the carpenters was important it kind of took me back to what's happening today with the discounts and performance marketing which is a tap that if turned off will result in the same thing that fevicol feared all those years ago it's the same thing and that's why the need to build a stronger brand and that's what that's why they stand so much taller than anybody else in the commodities market which is brilliant cool so i think uh, sharan we've been able to give two business examples for you know strategy and via that i think what we what we were trying to stress upon was the fact that uh, as a business owner as a marketing guy you or a brand owner you need to be clear that every brand obviously will need some kind of a vision or a goal to aim towards so have that in mind mm-hmm. uh, dream for sure but once you've done that you will need a strategy to achieve it exactly so use your goal use your vision as a starting point and then articulate your strategy such that it makes that goal achievable realizable believable and this strategy like you said ideally should consist of three parts or should have should tick three parts of a checklist first is context which explains what's happening in the category what are the competitors doing uh, what's the current context second part is decision this is where you know you have to put your neck on the line with or without data to choose a path which helps you build something of value within the context that you've just described and then to justify that strategy or to justify that decision or to you know leverage that decision you create what you call as plan of action and this plan of action will help you reach the goal that you've set the plan of action could be as fundamental as changing your product changing your communication changing your packaging etc or it could be small changes that you might want to make to your advertising to your offerings your sku strategy your availability strategy etc so it could be anything and everything just that all of it should be geared towards achievement of the goal that you made via you know leveraging the decision and operating in the context that you've set absolutely i think that's the perfect way to summarize this and this is how you know whether you have a strategy you have a goal or you have just a slogan or correct. you have a plan of action correct so our strategy to explain strategy <laughs> is possibly successful and uh, in case any of our uh, listeners has any 
comments to make any suggestions if you want to add anything to this checklist etc feel free to drop a, a message or write in to us we'll be very happy to receive it and hopefully in one of the upcoming episodes we will then try and take it up and talk more about it thank you for listening to cob conversations on the business of brands with sudeep chawla and sharavana raghavan subscribe and learn more at cobcast.net that's c o b b c a s t .net